In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come to us to reveal Himself to us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the people at Disney are creative, and the people at Disney are people that love to, just like I was sharing with the kids, they they love to implant things into their stories that make it fun for us to watch their stories over and over and over again. And one of those things is this tendency that they have to implant things called Easter eggs. And these Easter eggs, they can be, well, just about anything. They can be little Mickey heads that are hidden all throughout the movie. They can be things like different sort of character cameos that happen in the stories. They can be all sorts of things that they hide in there so that if you're watching the story over and over and over again, you get to see something new, hopefully, every time. And here at University Lutheran, we try to hide a few Easter eggs here and there, you know, kind of watch for them. If nothing else, you see a part of those Easter eggs being displayed in the things that we have up here with the banners and other things like that, where hopefully what you're getting is you're getting a sense out of those things of a, a deeper message, something that is additional. Maybe you don't grab it the first time. There's other things that we do that are there that are just kind of hidden things. And they're hidden in order to delight you, just like the Disney Easter eggs are hidden there to delight you. To be able to say, oh, I, I saw that. And to be able to rejoice in those things. Well, I'm not sure that it was meant as an Easter egg when Moses wrote his own story here in Exodus 3. But there is something that I found in this story that I thought to myself, well, well that's kind of an interesting little, at least, detail in the story. And that interesting detail comes pretty early in the story if you take a look at it. If you take a look in in your bulletins, it it starts off that Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, the background here is that what's going on is that Moses is living kind of in an outlaw life. Moses, the rest of his story was that he was taken from his mother and sent down the Nile, where the princess of Egypt was there who picked him up and brought brought him into her family. And bringing him into her family made him an aristocrat, made him somebody who was important, also was able to bring his mother back into his life. And so he he has this kind of interesting story of rising power as he's becoming more and more. And yet, there's something that goes wrong in his story. And that's something that goes wrong in his story is that one day he sees an Egyptian soldier who is beating a Hebrew slave. And he just can't stand it because he knows he has this Hebrew background and he can't stand seeing one of his countrymen, one of his cousins being beaten by the slave. And so what does he do? He kills the soldier. He kills the soldier. He hides the body. And he thinks 
for maybe just a little bit, he's gotten away with it. But then it only takes a couple of days before somebody says something that lets him know that the cat is out of the bag, that somebody saw him kill this soldier. And it's not the authorities, but it's also not the authorities yet. That surely what's going to happen is that somehow the authorities are going to get wind of this and there's going to be trouble. And so what does Moses do? Well, Moses runs away. He runs away to his father-in-law's land, who also is probably a bit of an outsider, a bit of a rebel. He is a guy who somehow was able to escape the Egyptians coming and making people slaves. He was able to sort of live on his own. Jethro, the guy mentioned here, was probably a guy who looked a lot like a Montana militiaman. And that is where Moses is living right now, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep out on their militia compound. And so Moses is living this life that feels kind of like, well, maybe a plan B. He had this life that had this interesting arc to it, this interesting Outcome. He was going to be an aristocrat. He was going to live in the seat of power. And yet, because of things that happened in his life, here he is. Pretty much a nameless sheep herder working for his father-in-law out in Montana or Midian. And so that's where Moses is at here, and it keeps on going, and it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame out of fire in the midst of a bush, and behold, the bush was burning, but it was not yet consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him. Now, that's the detail that I thought was so interesting. That what happens here is that a bush lights on fire. But that's not the interesting thing for me. Because, well, that's what God does. The interesting thing for me is how Moses responds to that. Moses says, well, I'm going to turn and I'm going to see what's going on with this bush that's burning and not being consumed. And that seems to trigger something in God. Because it says here, when the the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him. And that got me kind of questioning, well, what was going on there? God was waiting to see how Moses responded to the burning bush. And when Moses responded in such a way that he turned in order to see the bush, then God called out to him. So I started to wonder, well, what does that mean? If Moses didn't turn aside and take a look at the bush, did that mean that God said, well, obviously he's not the guy. I lit up a bush near him and he didn't even see it. Or did it mean that this was the time that Moses saw the Easter egg? Had God been trying and trying to get Moses' attention 
and maybe there were all sorts of other miracles. You know, a bird made of ice, a palm tree made out of tapioca pudding, whatever it was. Finally, the burning bush is the thing that got his attention. That little detail that finally opened up that conversation between God and Moses about what God had created Moses to do, what God wanted out of Moses, how God wanted Moses to go and lead his people out of slavery. Because that was the big part of the story. And everything leading up to that was just Easter eggs. How often in our lives do we maybe pass by places where God is lighting up bushes next to us, trying to get our attention so that we listen to him? How many Easter eggs are we just walking by and passing over? Things that are hidden just there in plain sight. And so often that's what the creed is for us. So often what we want out of an experience like this or an experience at prayer or an experience reading the Bible is that we want to have some sense of, well, God is talking to me. God is revealing something about himself to me. God is showing himself to me. That's what we desire. And yet so often it's just there, hidden in the plain sight of Scripture, or hidden in the plain sight of the creed, or hidden even in the plain sight of his body and blood given and shed for us. So often we cry out to God and say, God, where are you? And I wonder if God is saying, well, I'm right here. It's about as obvious as a burning bush in front of your face. I am right here in the text of the scripture. I am right here in the sacrament. I'm right here in this thing that's called the creed that we use as a definitive statement of God revealing himself in scripture to us. And what God reveals about himself is quite simply that he is the father the creator of all things. He is the Son, the Redeemer of all things. He is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Trinity who sanctifies all things and makes us holy. And yet, so often, we overlook the magic of those statements. The beauty of what's revealed in those things that we say when we say the creed together.
that we overlook it like an Easter egg instead of looking deeper and letting those words work on our hearts, letting those words reveal to us who God is. There's an interesting thing when you look at what Moses writes about that burning bush. He writes this kind of interesting thing. And normally what we do is we just think, okay, well, the burning bush was there and it got Moses' attention. And then God told him to take off his shoes. And then God spoke to him. But the interesting thing about the burning bush is that the burning bush was burning and yet not consumed. That what we're used to in life is that if something is burning, that the thing that is burning is turning to ash. But not with God. That with God... What God uses to communicate with us, that it stays. That God is giving us a picture into himself when we say the creed together. And that that creed has lasted for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. And it has not been burned up by our speaking it. Because what's at the center of that is no Easter egg. It's the story itself of salvation. The God is calling out to us to pay attention to. May you this week find God. And may you find Him especially in the Word and Sacrament and the Creed. Amen.